You can keep reading and always find a new fact about history you've never heard before. That's what this show is all about, seeing the invisible layers of the past right under your feet. This episode is the beginning of one of many branches of Massachusetts history that may surprise some. This is Garth in a lost beach shack somewhere on the rugged coastline of Massachusetts saying this is lost Massachusetts and also for Lauren in New Nederlands. If you grew up in Massachusetts, you probably know some basic information about our history and common culture. We started a rebellion that eventually separated us from Britain. Before that, Massachusetts was one of 13 English colonies. As a result, we speak English. Our legal system is based on English law. Many of the prominent early churches are breakoffs from the Church of England and were part of a larger structure called New England. The idea that Massachusetts is a seamless product of the British Empire is so ingrained that you probably think the song playing in the background is called My Country Tis of Thee, but it's actually God Save the Queen, the British National Anthem. Our patriotic lyrics were plastered over the British ones by Samuel Francis Smith in 1831 while he was studying in Andover, Mass. So. We've established that modern Massachusetts is clearly an outgrowth of English settlements and traditions, but this isn't the whole story. Of course, long before it was a British colony, it belonged to several native tribes, but in between it was something else altogether. That's right, before Massachusetts was English, it was Dutch. Many people would be surprised to find out that Massachusetts was Dutch, but there's a murky period in its pre mid- or pre-pre-colonial history. Massachusetts was a territory of the Netherlands. This is a time in mass history that is really lost, lost in the faded pages, but brought back to life right here on the podcast. So what was Dutch Massachusetts? What did it look like? We're going to review the history of how Massachusetts became Dutch and then became not Dutch in a few pieces. Much of this is a dramatic historical shift that probably wasn't covered in your school books. The story of Dutch and English settlements are actually much intertwined. Here in Lost Massachusetts, we cover and visit places that have been swept away and forgotten. Many of these stories are about individual towns, neighborhoods, or settlements, but this is about the entire territory having a completely different face in alternate history. But for a few turn of events, the U.S. could have been speaking Dutch. Who knows? And this is just one of the potential lost histories of the whole territory we will dig into. Starting with the first episode of Season 2, we will begin exploring the lost world that existed before the colonies. We will look at what was or could have been French Massachusetts, as well as some even more obscure and debated histories. I'm sure all of this leaves you with many questions like, where can I get Dutch chocolate or Stroopwafflen? Well, I'll tell you about that stuff too. But first, let's look at some of the details that we have dug up that are relevant.
So I'm holding in my hand right now a faded copper piece that's about the size of an American penny, but it's not an American penny. On one side of the coin, there is a crown and shield with lions on either side. On the opposite side of the coin, there are the letters VOC, they're intertwined, and it's dated 1790. And this is actually what is commonly called America's first penny, but it's actually a Dutch penny. The colonies didn't really have their own currency for a very long time. British currency was also very hard to come by. The people in the colonies would have often traded in Dutch currency. It was very common to do so. And coins like this are often found in the United States. The value of a coin like this would have been the equivalent of one or two dollars today. You could have bought a loaf of bread or beer with one penny. I'm walking up Layden Street in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And Layden Street is called America's First Street. It's where the Mayflower Pilgrims erected some of their original houses. There are houses here that are historic and very old. They're not the houses from the original settlement. And the reason why I'm walking up this street, at least for this particular episode, is that the street is named after a street in Holland. And in honor of the Dutch who gave refuge to the pilgrims before they came to the Americas, to Massachusetts. And this is where the English and Dutch history, one of the many places where the English and Dutch history cross over. And it's where we find these interesting intersections in the early colonial history. This is an episode of Lost Massachusetts about the Dutch history of Massachusetts as much as that we can, we'll be able to dig up and I'm actually talking to Emma, who is a person of Dutch descent. And I can see that you're nodding. And usually when people are listening, we use our voice as much as okay. possible. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was my cue to, to begin. I, wasn't, I was yeah. waiting for you to continue. But That's yeah. fine. That That's fine. <laughs> so, Emma, what do you remember about your family? What are they telling you about the Dutch history in the U.S.? And where they are most prevalent? Um, very little, really, just about the Dutch building, you know, Manhattan and areas of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the extent of it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much the same for me and everybody uh, that I know of. They're familiar that New York was once New Amsterdam uh, and that parts of New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Delaware mm-hmm. had Dutch backgrounds. New England, because it's called New England, you always assumed was firmly in British hands. But what I'm finding is that that may not have always been the case. And I'm going to show you a series of maps that may actually surprise you. Now, this first map is from 1650. And you'll see this red line right here. And this red line demarks the English territory and the Dutch territory. And you see this, the Dutch territory is enormous. Yeah. It's it's vast. And I have a close up of this map 
And this is a section of the map that you, it's a shape that you'll probably recognize. Yes. What do you think that this is? That's the Cape. Which Cape? Cape Cod, yeah. And, but what is it called on this map? Oh, New Holland. Hmm. Kind of surprising, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That the Cape was referred to as New Holland. Yeah. Now, the early British settlement is marked right here, right on the line. This is Plymouth Plantation. Okay. And this is, that's Plymouth Harbor. But you can see that everything to the south and west of it is claimed by the Dutch. Yeah. And a lot of people probably don't know that, that <laughs> at one point it looks like Cape Cod was called New Holland. That's fascinating. Mean, yeah, I never knew that. So I have uh, another close-up of that, and you can see that uh, the Dutch actually claimed this island, and it might be hard to read, but what do you think that says? Martha's Vineyard. They claim okay. Martha's Vineyard in this, uh, in this particular map. Yeah. The influence of the Dutch in Massachusetts and other colonies is profound but also subtle, whether it's through currency or assisting early English settlers. We listened to the first part of an interview with Dutch Lady Emma, who has lived and worked in Massachusetts for years and was completely unaware of Mass's Dutch heritage. We hear me walking down Leyden Street in Plymouth an English settlement's landmark linking the colonies to the Dutch. But the Dutch laden of the land, you see what I did there? Their lay of the land in Massachusetts starts at least a decade before the pilgrims even set foot on Cape Cod. As with any exploration, we need a map because of course this show is about finding the lost places so you can visit them as well. It's this series of early maps that give us a different view of Massachusetts. Everyone has probably heard the name Hudson from the Hudson River in New York, named after English explorer Henry Hudson. And while Hudson was English, he was working for the Dutch. The Dutch hired Hudson to find an alternate route to Asia for trading. When he could not find a route through Sweden and Russia, he did what anyone does when they hit a dead end. You turn around and go the other way. He started looking for the fabled Northwest Passage, a near mythical water route through North America to the Pacific. In the process, he hit Cape Cod. He sailed around the Cape and up the river that's named after him and more of the East Coast. He essentially claimed everything he saw on behalf of his employers, the Dutch East India Company. For all of his fame and fortune, it met with a sad end like many explorers. His crew mutinied and set him adrift in the icy waters near Quebec because he wanted to continue looking for the lost passage to Asia. In addition to Hudson, there were several other secret explorations by the Dutch of North America. Why secret? because all of the Americas were being chipped away by the French, Spanish, and Portuguese, and crossing imaginary lines could trigger an all-out war between European powers, which is exactly what happened on multiple occasions for 300 years. After Hudson, we have a number of characters, including Adrian Bloch, a Dutch pirate or privateer. In the golden age of exploration, the distinction between businessman and criminal was based on who was chartering you and what country you were from. 
One nation's pirate was often someone else's hero. Bloch would capture ships from other countries and press them into the Dutch Navy. Captain Bloch, along with other Dutch explorers like Hendrik Christensen and Cornelius Jacobsen May, would often meet at Cape Cod before sailing anywhere else. But they called Cape Cod Staten Hook. The map made by Bloch of the territory was likely the first to use the term New Nederlands. You may recognize the name since Block Island is supposedly named after Adrian Block, and Cape May is named after Cornelius May. It's Block's map that starts us on the path of looking for lost Dutch mass. Let's listen to more of my interview with Dutch Lady Emma. So just based on just based on looking at these maps. I mean, it, it almost looks like the entirety of Massachusetts is claimed by the Netherlands. Yeah, absolutely. This comes as a surprise to it you? It does, it does. <laughs> I mean, in living in Massachusetts, I never realized this. Yeah. So then what we're going to do at some point is we're going to try and find these locations and see if there's any kind of Dutch remnants left whatsoever. Uh, they've actually, if you look at this map... They don't have many settlements or locations noted. They just have a giant turkey in the middle of the map. <laughs> this is where you find the turkeys. This is where you find the turkeys wandering <laughs> around. Actually, they wander around the streets here as well. Yeah. Where do we go next in this lost world of Dutch mass? One thing I want to apologize for in advance is the mispronunciation of Dutch names and phrases. Any Dutch speaker is welcome to call in and correct me via the Instagram or Anchor voice message functions. And I'll include the corrections in the next episode. As Emma and I observed, the early maps of Massachusetts have Dutch names for all its parts. Some of the Dutch names for places have been completely obliterated, and others were subtly transformed into English ones. Some of the most well-known Dutch names for places in the U.S. are in Manhattan, Harlem, Turtle Bay, Gramercy, Greenwich, and the Bowery all have Dutch origins. They are either place names in the Netherlands or weird conversions of Dutch terms but it's commonly known that New York was Dutch. We're focused on areas that are more to the north and east. Rhode Island, for example, is also a Dutch name meaning Red Island for the color of the soil. There are many place names we will cover in other episodes that may surprise listeners for having Dutch origins. However, as the saying goes, the map is not the territory. Just because someone drops a name on a map doesn't mean anything is there. But usually they have a reason for dropping locations, so we'll look into all of them. We're going to analyze the Dutch mass maps, working from east to west and explaining what happened. So we'll start with Cape Cod. As we said earlier, the tip of Cape Cod was called Staten Hook. The Plymouth area was called Staten Bay. The whole thing was referred to as New Holland. Very interestingly, the area around where Boston is is called Hendricks Bay to the north, probably after Block's co-explorer, 
and the south portion is called Voss Bay, which means Fox Bay. Voss Bay or Voss Haven is a term that still shows up on later English maps. Turning back to Cape Cod, we find one of the most curious references on Block's map. And it is a place you can go to now, but the mystery of why they named it this way is still a mystery, at least to me so far. Block calls what is now Chatham, Massachusetts, on the lower end of the Cape, Gahaven, which translates to unfortunate port or unlucky port. Chatham certainly isn't unfortunate now, so what was so unfortunate about this apparently lost mass place is something we're going to have to dig to find out. Block's map is going to be useful in other episodes because it also bears a number of Native American settlement names and groups that have been swept away by history. We will link to maps and highlight sections we're talking about in the show notes in the episode blog on lostmassachusetts.com and the Instagram account Lost Massachusetts. There are big problems with this map, of course. In particular, it shows Lake Champlain as a massive inland sea that is just west of the Charles River, when it actually sits far north and west in Vermont. In future episodes, we will find out what happened at Dutch Massachusetts, what remains of it, and especially about a mysterious man called Mr. Pinzer. This is just the beginning of our exploration of lost Dutch mass. We'll pick up more history of New Netherlands in season two. Until then, this is Garth in the Lost Beach Shack, trying to keep the seagulls away from this bag of potato chips that Herman Lay sold me out of the trunk of his car. Remember, it's always 1928 somewhere. Hey, if you like the show for some reason, there are lots of ways you can join the fun or get a hold of us. You can message Lost Mass through the podcast apps on Anchor. There's a voice option. Or you can go to lostmassachusetts.com and subscribe to our blog or use the various methods there to contact us. If you go to lostmassachusetts.com, you can also sign up to get a postcard from a lost place and find out where to send us a lost postcard too. Also go to Lost Massachusetts at uh, Instagram for photos and other details. We will do our best to respond to comments uh, directly uh, as well as within the show. You might hear um, your own comment. That's fun. <laughs>